Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the People's Show. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. You want to be part of the show? 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you. In Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Big day, big day today. NFL draft. Hopefully you've gotten your viewing in of Kevin Costner's draft day because you can't do it today. Now now it's actually draft day, so, so hopefully you've already done that or you save it for a post-draft viewing. A uh, lot to get into. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to Brad Brad May in just a couple of minutes on Thursday here on the People's Show about the NHL playoffs. Uh, Ken Priestley will join us later on in the show as well. Uh, we're not talking about the Man United Tottenham result at all. Uh, all that discussion yesterday. D- Dom, we shouldn't have talked about Arsenal Man City yesterday. We shouldn't have made jokes. United. Bottling it is uh, in style right now. It's very fashionable. Uh <laughs> Maybe we touch on that on the second half of the show. Also, uh, Giannis's comments last night uh, making the waves across the sports world today after they got bounced. So we'll touch on that. Uh, but I do want to start in the NFL. Uh, NFL draft going tonight. Who's going number one? What are the Seahawks going to do at five? Will they take quarterback? Remains to be seen. Remains to be seen. But we do know that there is quarterback news happening across the league. The Baltimore Ravens have put an end to the saga uh, with Lamar Jackson. And go figure. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We said, hey, what QBs are going to sign first? And we're talking about Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, and Lamar Jackson. point I was making then is Jalen Hurts is going to sign first, and he's going to set the market, and then watch the dominoes fall thereafter. Now, Herbert and Burrow have contracts. Lamar didn't. So... Hertz sets the standard, and Lamar jumps it. He gets $5 more million guaranteed. He gets $5 more million total money coming out to a five-year deal of $260 million for Lamar Jackson. And now this suddenly brings stability to a team that has always been about stability. These last 12 months have been a bit odd for the Baltimore Ravens, to be honest. But they have always been alongside the Steelers, and you can throw the Patriots in there and probably the Packers and the Seahawks. You know, those are the, the the teams that have always been steady. They've got an organizational philosophy. They buy into it, and they're not going to cater to it. And both sides come out as winners here. Lamar, at the time of his signing, gets to say, per yearly average, I'm the highest paid quarterback. I'm an MVP. I'm your franchise. I can say I'm the highest paid. And the Ravens get to say, we didn't give you a fully guaranteed deal. So this is one, you know, compromise means a a good deal. Uh, This is one you can say, hey, everyone kind of came out on top. Now, what does this mean for the hierarchy of the AFC moving forward? Look, Lamar's an MVP in his prime. I'm still going to put them above a bunch of teams. And think of how chaotic the last two years have been for the Ravens. Lamar's contract hanging over the balance last year. Him getting hurt the year before. Historic number of injuries for the Baltimore Ravens. And you know what the Baltimore Ravens do? They go out last year and they win 10 games. It just 
it just doesn't matter what you throw at them. Two years ago, they won eight games with a completely decimated roster. They still win games. So you can put them maybe in a tier slightly below Buffalo or in a tier slightly below Kansas City, but they're pushing that group to make sure they get 14, 13 wins. Baltimore Ravens, I think you can write them in for 10 wins immediately. Throw in the Bengals for 10 wins immediately. Suddenly all these spots in the AFC are getting eaten up. Buffalo's going to be there. Kansas City's going to be there. Jacksonville's winning their division. So someone's getting left out. And I know Dan Orlovsky was doing this on ESPN the other day. Bills have Josh Allen. Miami's got Tua. Jets have Aaron Rodgers. Bengals have Burrow. Lamar's in Baltimore. Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. Kansas City's got Mahomes. And the Chargers have Herbert. That's eight quarterbacks. One of them isn't going to the playoffs. It's stacked in the AFC. It's going to be appointment viewing uh, now that Lamar is there long term. And we'll see if he can get back to his MVP form. I think the Ravens going to the playoffs. It's going to be interesting to see how they compete with Cincinnati for the top of that AFC North draft. We'll get into some more draft thoughts later on. I do want to connect, though, with our good friend Brad May, longtime NHLer, former Vancouver Canuck. Uh, playoffs are reaching their peak right now, so let's get into it. Uh, Brad, how are you? I'm doing great, and from the sounds of it, beautiful day in Vancouver. I wish I was there. Oh, yeah, first one. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been warming up, but it's been slow. It's it's. It's not been like these playoffs, which right out of the gate was uh, chaos and, and madness, and it's been a very entertaining first round for me uh, watching all these games. We'll see some potential eliminations tonight. Uh, you're in Toronto right now. Uh, we, we, I think we last talked to you before game uh, two uh, or game three, uh, and they were getting ready to uh, take on the Lightning. You got a chance to see this team. Getting ready for this game tonight, what do you feel like the mentality is for the Maple Leafs going into this game? Well, well, the first the first thing is they're in a great op, great great, or excuse me, have a great opportunity. Obviously, being three up three one. Although I think the Tampa Bay Lightning have outplayed them the last two games and you know came up short, but of course that's hockey. Um, I think the cool part that, or I say it's cool, but um, the last time we spoke was um, just before Game Two. In yeah. Toronto, I was actually in the city um, just at the Hall of Fame, and of course they came out and had a you know a great effort and they were able to tie up the series and then um, win some games. But going into that game, they had just suspended Michael Bunting, and um, they're saying that he's going to be a scratch tonight. He's not in the lineup, and um, you know he was sus- suspended for three games. Um, bold move by the coach uh, by not putting Bunting back in because I think their team is better when he's in the lineup and playing the way he's capable. But um, I think the great thing for players, um, they're in a winning lineup and you don't shake it up at this point in time. Certainly in their bottom six, they're, they've been responsible and um, maybe they just don't want to um, touch with that. But I think that's, uh, that's definitely a, a point tonight that if Toronto loses, it's going to be questioned. That, that's so funny too, because during the regular season, we would say, hey, you know, you get your best guys in, you're, you're building credibility with your players. Players know, hey, if a good player's out of the lineup, it's like, hey, we're, we're trusting this guy with four NHL games in over the lineup, and yet, come playoff time, the last thing you want to do is break up something that's winning right now, right? They're the one win away from pushing the series uh, over, and I, I can't imagine they want to screw up with what's been working the last couple of games. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, they have an opportunity. They've they've screwed up this up, you know, this position many times in the in the past, um, being down or excuse me, up three to one and losing series. But you know what? Right now, it's a different team, it's a different time. I do think, and I think I said it. I believe the Leafs will win the series, but I, I, if I'm a betting man, I think Tampa comes out flying. They're going to show you what what they have inside, and um, I think they will bring this series back to Tampa. Um, they're just too good. And then Vasilevsky on on elimination games, mm-hmm. um, both ways, he he's been exceptional um, to keep his team alive, but also um, obviously win these big games that that are in front of him. So um, I'm betting on Vasilevsky, but I still think the Leafs will win this series. We've not seen his best game so far from Andre Vasilevsky. You know, playoff Vasilevsky has become a, a massive thing for these last couple of years. You know, you mentioned the elimination games and, and just how steady he's always been the rock for Tampa Bay. And I know, you know, there's been discussion of how Toronto's exploiting it. Uh, Coach Derek Lalonde did a great job on a Hockey Night talking about, you know, the tips that they've been trying to create and, and defend for Vasilevsky. Recently, they've been talking about you know the blocker side has been the weakness for for Andre so far this series. You know what do you notice and how he's being attacked and why Toronto's uh, set themselves up for success against uh, a business style goalie. First of all, I love that analysis, um, but I think I'd say maybe add a different layer to it. Um, Obviously, he hasn't been the same guy that we've seen over the last couple seasons, or hasn't stepped up and stole these games. um, Hasn't had to. (laughs) <laughs> excuse me, but I would say the Tampa Bay defense defense core is weaker. They're not as good as they, they have been. They lost McDonough. Obviously, early in the series, they lost Chernick, um, two real solid defensemen. Of course, McDonough hasn't been there all season long, but those plays for tips in front of the net are going to come easier because you're actually doing it against lesser defensemen or guys that don't have the same pedigree. So, um, I'm not saying it's easier to score in the Tampa Bay Lightning, but I'll tell you what, I bet you Andre Vasilevsky, he, he sees more quality chances in the, in, the, in, in, in the garbage area than he has in the past because he doesn't have the same defense core. But um, Tampa's done a good job, but Toronto right now, um, moving on, um, they've done whatever it's take, taken, come back from a 4-1 deficit the other night to win in overtime. Um, Maybe it's a team of destiny. Who knows? But um, they're in an opp- they, they have an opportunity to win the series, and the earlier they can get that job done, they ha- get some rest days before the next round, which most likely will be Boston. But they're up in you know up against it against Florida as well. Florida's battled back in the series. So um, series that go long to seven games down the line through the playoffs um, catch up to you if teams can finish their opponent early. Those rest days are are critical. It's a weapon. I'm with you that you know Tampa is going to push this a lot longer. And I was making the point, uh, you know, it took late goals and miraculous comebacks for Toronto to even push it to overtime, then go on get those winners, Morgan Riley and and everything, right? So I think it continues to to go the distance. The thing that I always marvel at, and it's it's what we've probably learned to love about this Tampa Bay Lightning, is they constantly make, make you work. And here's Toronto. It feels like we finally got the best version of Toronto because Tampa's pushing them to be the best. And the thing, if, if they fall out and Tampa loses a series, you know, I, I think we look at just the, the totality of fatigue and endurance to get to this level and say, hey, it's been four years that these guys have been doing it. They were going to burn out at some point. 
Yeah, I do. I, I believe that's part of it too. Now, not not going to jump at it too soon because there's still hockey to be played, but there's no question. Um, they've had, they've had a huge workload over the last few years and certainly how strange the last couple of years have been, you know, one of them in the bubble and, and, and just the focus it's taken. So, um, but you know what, Steven Stamkos has been there. He's done it. Kucherov, Hedman, all the players that have actually won, um, they know what it takes. They're good enough to actually put it up there, but will they be able to match Toronto's energy at home tonight for Toronto? Um, you know, remains to be seen. I, I just think that they're too good of a team to actually bow out in five games. That, that's my thought on it. But, but I think Toronto has is, is proven that all season long that they're not going to lose too many games in a row and they can string wins together. So um, for Toronto, it's a, it's a big moment for Leafs fans for sure. Um, but the other series that are really compelling to me, um, number one, the Jer- New Jersey and, and, and mm-hmm. the New York Rangers is a big one. How about the Seattle Kraken? Um, how impressive have they been? Yeah, the the Kraken and, and, and Devils showing a lot of resolve to you know push these series and get back into these series. And I, I was asking earlier this week, and I, I can't remember who I was talking to, um, and or, or what series we were talking about. But it was essentially like when things get the thickest, right? And it's tough, and you have to show those opportunities to bounce back and and keep calm on the bench. Like, what were some of the things that you would say on the bench to try to keep everyone's uh, nerves a bit relaxed? Well, you know, it's, it's amazing. I think we're all so, so focused and we're, you're so into the game that literally every little um, momentum change, you, you feel it. You feel it in your, you know, inside you. Certainly when you're on the bench and, and, and understanding the flow of the game, when your next shift's going to be. Um, I think a lot of times, I think a lot of it's just noise. A lot of guys aren't even listening to the other guys cheering and, and, and saying things. But I think the big one is just, Stay in the moment. You can't get caught looking ahead. For instance, you know, in, in the Western Conference there, um, I'm thinking like Vegas, Vegas, um, Winnipeg series. Mm-hmm. Vegas has a chance to win the series tonight. But they might be thinking, and there's going to be guys on their bench that are thinking, you know, what, if we win, then we're going to actually, we're, we're going right to the conference final because, you know, Seattle may beat, beat Colorado. Sorry, I'm talking two different things, but because but, they're not going to cross over. Um, the point I was trying to make there, because I did screw it up, is you can't get caught looking ahead who your next right. opponent would be. In Vancouver, way back 2003, we, we beat St. Louis in seven games. We're playing um, the Minnesota Wild. We're up three games to one. And we're thinking that, oh, my God, if, if Anaheim wins, we're going to be down in California and we're going to the Stanley Cup final. That's kind of how we were thinking as players. You still had to actually win that series to get to the next one. And... Um, you know, we got caught. Minnesota stayed in the moment, stayed focused. They came back and they beat us in Game Seven, which was a heartbreaker. What was the mood after like Game Four of that series, right? And 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 you finally get ready. Like, was it looking ahead at to you know to begin the series, or, or was it midway? You know what? I think the, the well, our lesson that we learned is is you're never out of it until it's over, right? Or until you've actually won this, you know, the series. That's why the fourth fourth win is always, you know, people say it's the hardest one. They're all hard. But when you're trying to close a team out, you're playing against, you know, injured or wounded team that that's going to give everything they've got. And um, I'd say when we went up three to one um, and Minnesota is coming back into Vancouver at that time, we actually thought, because we actually had success against um, St. Louis in the earlier series, um, that we were going to come back. We were going to pound Minnesota. We've, we've taken their will away. And how far from the truth that was. 
you know, you, you think a team is against the ropes and is going to be willing to quit. Um, sometimes you get a character of guys that just are resilient and don't do that and, and aren't not going to make it easy on you. So um, I think that was a mistake. It was a young, young a mistake from a young team um, that was in the playoffs that should have been further and should have been better. Um, but those were the learning, you know, uh, woes that you had to go through, um, learning curve, if you will. And then the next year we got bounced in, in, in game seven at home. So it didn't pay off. I would like to think that you lose, you know, a series like that the next year, next season you're coming back and you've got, you know, your focus and your team and you're going to improve on certain areas and you're just going to be better. Well, one year to the next is, is very different. And um, that's why I think right now, if I'm on the bench, stay in the moment, one shift at a time. Let's not get caught thinking too far ahead. Because we've seen some good emotional swings as well in a series, like you mentioned, like the Kraken and Colorado Avalanche, right? Like the Brad and Tandev moment in game two. He scores the goal, kind of kisses the crowd, and then and Colorado comes back, and you think, all right, that might be the moment, you know, that they've they've woken the Avs up and they go win game three. But here come the Kraken. They win two more uh, right after in games four and five. And suddenly, hey, like the, the, this moment, Stanley Cup champions are on the brink all of a sudden. Well, it's amazing. What, what, what I love watching Seattle is how they – as a, as an, I say nondescript team. They don't have superstars, but they have a lot of good, good players. Um, they back check and they track the puck so well that literally Nathan McKinnon can fly, but he's, he's skating and he's, you know, pulling up. He's doing everything on the perimeter on the outside. And the, the Kraken are giving them the outside. But you tell you what, it takes a lot of balls to go right into the middle, into the dirty area like they call it. And um, if Colorado's not willing to, you know, possibly get injured you know trying to get into the inside um they're not going to win this series i think seattle's proven that you know they're very capable defensively i I always try to look out for trends kind of in in a playoff right like how the game evolves obviously and and you try to find emerging trends in the playoffs and I, i can't help looking at how often there's power plays right now and these leads that are big you know changing over because of the power plays when you see playoff hockey like this do you kind of wince a little and say it's it's refs are kind of having too much of a a influential force in the result of the game you know i think the refs i unfortunately you know they're in a tough spot right i mean Mm -hmm. teams are so passionate about their opportunity to to advance and to keep playing and um they're never going to get it perfect they're never going to be assessed you know that they're the perfect referee for that time that game because there's always a you know another side to it, but I don't I don't mind. I think over the last few years we've recognized that penalties hurt you. That's that's the deterrent in in misbehavior or players you know going across the line doing things that maybe are too aggressive. Take a penalty and the other team beats you on the power play. Um, it's it's staying to that theme in the playoffs. There's just no doubt about it that the the, the stage and the time that these penalties are being called in different games it's um they're it's just so important for both sides and um but i think the referees have a tough job i think they do a good job and with the nhl what i do love about the, the new rule where you can call a five minute major and then you know have the assist of video replay to kind of you know adjust assess you know either confirm that your call was right or you can actually you know retract and go back i think that's a good thing for the nhl i know it takes time and it's frustrating as a fan but um, I think that's a good one because you don't want to lose on a missed call like that. Um, however, if you're get, if you're caught reaching in in these cheap penalties, tripping, hooking, um, you know that's a penalty. And um, 
those players, they, they should be penalized. And in most cases, they're going to hurt their team if they're taking like, you know, easy penalties like that. Talking to Brad May, as we do on Thursdays here on The People's Show. Uh, a couple of games tonight. And again, high stakes, obviously, in the Toronto one. Tampa Bay trying to come back. Winnipeg on the brink against Vegas. And also, the New Jersey Devils and New York Rangers. Uh, this series, it, it's been back and forth. Uh, home teams can't win in this series. Uh, Rangers winning the first two. Devils winning the next two on the road. And honestly, like I, I was so excited for this series. The you know Obviously, the... Uh, New York, New Jersey rivalry. There's that's always going to exist, and I feel like this one has kind of fallen by the wayside because everything's had a bit of a a theme to their series, right? Edmonton, you got McDavid. Dallas, that series has been bruising. I'm not sure what we've seen from this series. It's been a little bit slower played, and there's you know one team scoring one goal in this game uh, in, in this series so far. Well, you know what? Both both teams they know each other. They play obviously just across the river from one another, but um, there's a lot of passion in this one. I find myself cheering for the New Jersey Devils um, as a fan. They have such electric young players from Jesper Bratt to, to Hughes, um, Nico Heischer, you know, the young captain. I, I really do. Dougie Hamilton, who's now a grizzled veteran. Um, I, I, I find myself cheering for the, for the Devils, but going into this series, I thought for sure the Rangers would win after the you know, you know two games in the series, it was like okay, you know, salt this one away. The Rangers are going to take this series, uh, and it, again, you can't get caught looking ahead. And um, Patrick Kane and all his experience, and Tarasenko winning the Cup in St. Louis, these guys have to bring a little leadership to the, that group in New York and somehow settle the ship. Gerard Gallant's a hell of a coach, and um, he's definitely going to have his players ready to play. But so is Lindy Ruff. Um, I think it's going to be a great, there's going to be three more games in that series. I'd expect, you know, game seven, that would be amazing to see. We talked after game two and, you know, the point what we were making is like the Rangers are just five, one, five, one. They're just kind of pushing them around and leaning on the devils and winning all these battles that I know Gallant has made a point of over these past couple of games. Um, is, is this getting back to that? Or like, like, what have you noticed that's going wrong for the Rangers? Well, I just, you know what, again, I, it's about these players getting to the inside and in every series it's, you know, stifling defenses. He's got, everybody's a good skater. So you're not going to beat for the most part, unless you're McKinnon or McDavid or, you know, get an opportunity where somebody trips and falls. Um, that speed's not going to kill it because everybody's quick. So if you keep everybody to the outside, you have to have the willingness to, you know, sh- shots and tips shots for the far pad, which is the best pass in hockey, you know, hitting, hitting the driving, you know, the wide forward, um, all these different plays, you got to get the greasy or the dirty or the hardworking goals. It's not all about the skill. And um, I think because these teams, you know, are so top loaded with skilled players, sometimes they forget exactly the moment they're playing in. Um, you got to get greasy. You got to get, you know, hungrier to actually make it harder on the defense for either team. And um, in that in that category, I, I, I do believe the Rangers will win the series. But um, if they don't, if they don't attack and attack and attack, um, New Jersey with their young skill and their young players' enthusiasm, unbridled, um, these guys may pull a, a, not a big upset because um, they're the two teams are very close. But um, for experience, New Jersey is a way under-experienced team than than the Rangers, and um, in some ways that might be an advantage, a benefit, because you're not afraid of the moment.
talking about all that hunger, right, and, and, and competing, uh, I look at a team like Boston. They, they lose last night, and – Look, they've been phenomenal all year long, obviously 65 wins. But we always have this conversation of, are you facing enough adversity over the course of a season to get ready for these moments? And look, they're up 3-2. They probably still win. But are we seeing maybe some warning signs for, for them in their journey through these playoffs uh, over what's happening in round one? We're talking we're talking um, Edmonton, right? Uh, no, the uh, uh, the Bruins. Oh, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I, I, it somehow cut out there. Um, so, so the Bruins again, kind of like the Rangers, right? They they got off to a great start. Obviously, they've they've let Florida back into it. Florida's not given up. Florida, you got to remember, a year ago they were they were the best team in the Eastern Conference. Um, these the, these guys are are good players. Now playing against the Bruins, everybody's kind of thought the Bruins have been so good all year long. I I, I hear you. Um, they haven't faced that adversity. But they're still up, right? They're still up in the series, and um, in in some ways they they bought themselves some time. But you know what? It's running out. There's only two games left, and um, I, I I'd expect the Bruins to come with a big one and win um, tonight. Um, I, I I would think that, or, or is it tomorrow? They're they're going to play so hard. Um, Bergeron's back in. He's got his legs under him again. But um, I I like Kachuk. Barkov's been amazing, and um, my favorite player on the Florida Panthers at this point is, is Brandon Montour, who's bounced around a few teams in the last couple of mm-hmm. seasons. And um, this guy can play. He's had a banner year, and um, he's keeping her going in the playoffs. So I like his enthusiasm. He joins the rush. Um, he's kind of a Swiss Army knife for the Florida Panthers. He's, he plays defense, but he's also you know the, the third or fourth wave to an attack. Hey, Brad, uh, we always love the chats. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, travel safe. I know you're, uh, sounds like you're at the airport right now. So uh, uh, best of luck, and we'll talk next week. Hey, I wish I was flying to Vancouver 100%, but I'm <laughs> flying to Edmonton. I'm going to Edmonton right now. Obviously, that city's going to be on edge because they, they put themselves in a great spot. But um, the hockey fans, you know what? The, the fan bases in Canada are amazing, and um, we hope that as many Canadian teams continue to win. Um, that would be fun for us to watch. Uh, Great stuff. Uh, We'll talk next week. Thanks, man. Cheers. Thank you. Uh, Great stuff, as always, from our good friend Brad May, longtime NHLer, former Vancouver Canuck, here on The People Show. We'll continue the conversation about the NHL playoffs on the other side. Our guy, our Mr. Fix-It, two-time cup champion from Dunbar Lumber, former NHLer Ken Priestley, joins us on the other side here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.